Yeah. I don't have my little, oh, I do. I know you guys would keep doing this through the whole service, and uh, you can pick this up after the service, but uh, we have some things that I believe God wants to impart to us, inform us so that there would be illumination in us that would turn to revelation as Holy Spirit helps us understand it, that would bring transformation to our lives. And, and he's always wanting to do that, not just on Sundays. He wants to do it on Mondays and Tuesdays. Wherever you are, God's there, right? So why shouldn't we take advantage of, in a really good way, to be taught by God through all sorts of things? Because he will do that if you will be willing to allow him to teach you. How many of you know he can teach you in, the shopping, in a shopping experience? Absolutely. And, and while you're driving... If we're open. <laughs> yeah, God, you know, we read these parables and things that Jesus taught, and he still teaches us in parables. He'll use real-life situations to help us understand kingdom principles so that, that we can apply them to our lives and continue to gain. So we're not waiting for next Sunday. You know, I can't wait until the message next Sunday. No, God has a message on Monday. God's got a message on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And if we'll be allowing God to build us through all these days, we're going to be much stronger by the end of the week instead of just kind of dragging in and saying, boy, I, I hope there's something good for me today at church. You know, that's the way a lot of Christians are. They're, they're waiting to get fed when they get to church. And we should be. We should be expecting to be fed when we come together. But we should be fed every day because God is, is the one who feeds us, whether it's through somebody standing up here or through a moment in time that he is revealing things to us. There's never a time that's wasted if we're really staying connected to God. Amen? Amen. And I heard you ladies had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I talked with Debbie, and she said, oh, it was awesome. And I said, I should have been there. <laughs> but I, I understood that, that Yvonne uh, talked a little bit about fruit. Is that right? How about that? You know, God, God uh, he's... He keeps things connected. And we talked about fruit. We began to talk about fruit last week and how God has for us to grow, to develop, to mature. And there are indicators that would, would reveal that we're developing. You know, if somebody says, you know, I'm really mature, that's not really mature. And, and so when we are, we don't have to tell everybody. It shows. There are indicators in our lives, and God wants us to bear fruit. Now, I don't know if you recognize it or not, but last week, even the word for you today got in on this. On Monday, it was talking about fruit. The scripture was Matthew, and, and I'm sorry, John 15, 16, it was talking about fruit and how important fruit is, and, and we've been learning about this. We're, we're, we're learning about how God has for us to grow, and to bear fruit. 
And how many of you realize and recognize growth is something that should be natural to anybody or anything that's healthy, but is not always happening because everyone and everything isn't healthy, right? And so it's, it's sometimes a battle, but we grow through things that sometimes we would prefer to avoid. And that's where last week we started looking in Psalm 4, verse 1, uh, to get a foundational scripture for this. And this was written by David. And David, how many of you know David went through some difficult times? Yeah. Oh, but he was the king. Yeah, he was the king. But he had some of his family just betray him and, and turn away from him, do all sorts of things. He, he, he went through really hard times. Now, some of them he brought on himself. <laughs> like we do. We do things that are, are contrary to what God has told us to do, and we bring difficult times on us, and the enemy's willing to help us with those difficult times, make them more difficult. And other times, it's just we're doing what we're supposed to do, we're following God, we're tracking with him, we're obedient to God, and all of a sudden, here comes a difficulty. But it doesn't matter, because God is there. He's going to help us through it if we'll turn to him and trust in him. And in Psalm 4, verse 1, it says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And last week we began to look at this and dissect it and understand there are some very important aspects of this. It says God has enlarged him. God has enlarged him or grown or developed or matured. That's what that means. And it says he enlarged him, he grew him, he developed him, he matured him when he was in distress, when he was in difficult times. It is not our natural inclination to want to grow through a difficulty as much as our natural inclination is to escape from the difficulty. Right? We want it over fast because we don't realize what good it can do in our lives. These difficulties, these troubles are not something that should destroy us. The Bible says we're overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things except what you're dealing with today. It's, it, that's how we face things sometimes. We say, well, I know the Bible says, but sheep don't butt. Goats do. Don't be a goat. I know, greatest of all time. No, not that kind of goat. A goat that's disruptive. Don't be a goat. Don't be butting God. We've got to get to the place where no matter what comes at us, we know the greater one is with us. Well, how do we know that? Because the Bible tells us. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's nothing, there's no one that we can encounter that is greater than our God. But most things and, and that we encounter are overwhelming to us because they're greater than us. They may be greater than our resources or, 
or what we have available to us to figure things out, whatever it is. But don't make your facing what you're facing based on you. Base it on God. Because with man, what's possible? Nothing. With God, what's possible? So just like Jeremy said this morning in that scripture, you know, it's kind of elementary. It's very obvious. But many times we let go of those things because we're so uncomfortable, we're so surprised, we're so overwhelmed by what we're facing, we forget that we're not alone. And just like this says, in our distress, God has grown us. We don't grow ourselves. God grows us, but we have to align ourselves and be willing to follow God, trust God, obey God in the midst of whatever we're doing so that we can have that growth instead of just damage. You know, these troubles want to damage us. Sometimes we get in trouble and we have bad situations happen and the enemy uses that to define us, reminds us of what happened and you'll never be different. He's a liar. And if you and I believe a lie, then we'll not experience truth and we'll not be set free. We'll become more in more bondage than ever before. So don't let that trouble damage or destroy you or define you. Because this scripture right here tells us whatever trouble comes, if we'll stick close to God, if we'll rely on God, if we'll trust in God, it'll develop us. That trouble you're facing, God can use it to make you stronger, make you smarter, make you better, make you better prepared for the next thing you're going to face because you're going to face something else, right? How many of you just had one situation in your life, it was difficult, it was troubling, but that was all you had? The rest of it has been real easy. I know, obvious question, but sometimes we need to get a grip and understand that this is not a one-time deal. We have, in this world, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, you'll have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've got a victory. And what does Jesus do with what he has? How does he relate to us with what he has? He shares it with us, doesn't he? So if he's got a victory, he's got a victory for you. Oh, only in, only in the big stuff, right? Only in the little stuff. Only in the medium stuff. We're like back at the three bears. He's got a victory in the big stuff, in the little stuff, and in the medium stuff. In every bit of stuff that you encounter that is troubling and difficult, God can give you a victory and grow you through it. But because we have a tendency and we seem to not value growth, what we value is relief. We want to go around it or get freed from it immediately. And we don't grow. Which causes us the next time we face that same thing or something very similar, we panic again. 
Hello? God wants to get us to the place where we've seen that before. God got us through that. No big deal for God. And I'm, I'm tracking with him so I don't have to worry about this. All I have to do is stay close to God, trust God, let God guide me, let God govern me, and let God guard me, and we'll make it through this one too. That's really different than the life we live because we're, we tend to be, well, what's coming? When's the next shoe going to drop? What's on the horizon financially or medically or politically or, and you can keep filling in that blank, but it doesn't matter about all that out there because of the one who's in here. Who lives in you? Who wants to grow you to the place where there is nothing you fear? No fear. That's supposed to be the life of the child of God. Because we know no matter what we face, God is with us and for us and he can cause us to overcome. It may not be in an hour or a day or a week or a month or a year or in Yvonne Conti's life, 17 years. I don't know if you heard that, ladies. I heard it and I wasn't even there. Why? Because my wife shared it with me and it made a huge impression on me. How many of you know you can hear all sorts of things and they never sink in? You need to let that sink in. That God doesn't operate on our time frame. Why? Because his time frame is perfect. And we have all sorts of issues. I can tell you I've had issues with God. Well, God, I would have done it this way. Thank God I'm not God because all the rest of you would be in trouble. Thank God you're not God because all the rest of us would be in trouble. Thank God God's God. And he's got the best plan, the best timing, the best provision so that we can grow through things, not just go through things. Because God wants everything you and I go through to cause us to gain, to develop, to mature. So that the next time we know God's got this. I'm here to tell you, God's got it. But you got to let him have it. And then you and I have to be willing to, to be patient and joyful in being patient, not crabby. Because if we're complaining and murmuring in, in what's going on, that's really not faith. There's a joy, there's a peace, there's a hope that's associated with faith. But this tells us he enlarged us, he grew us, he developed us, he matured us in the trouble. And as we began to look at this, we understood when we grow, when we develop, when we mature, it bears fruit. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 16, 
in the Good News Translation, it says this. You did not choose me. Now, this is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me. I chose you. I don't know about you. I can still remember back in elementary school up at John E. Joy School, which when I went to it was Turn Road School, and Mr. Joy was the principal. And I remember going out. I hated recess. Not because I wasn't good at it. I was good at recess and lunch. (laughs) But at recess, it was very painful for me. Because we would usually play kickball on the back field. And I was either the last or close to the last person ever picked. And it was painful. Because you know what? It's said, and kids, they don't, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I remember last person that picked between two, they would pick who they wanted. And you guys have to have him. You know how that makes you feel? It just breaks you inside. They have to have you. I'm going to tell you something. This says you did not choose God. He chose you. And if the enemy's been lying to you, making you think that nobody wants you, everybody hates you, you're going to go out and eat some worms. Again, my childhood rising up. It's not that way. God chose you. God chose you. God wants you. God has a purpose for you. You are vital to God's plan. And Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And appointed you or ordained you. When somebody's ordained, they're set apart for a very important purpose. You're ordained. Not by some organization. You're ordained by God. Every one of us is ordained by God for a very important purpose. He chose us. He set us apart. He's prepared us. For what? To go and bear fruit. There are a lot of things in our Christian life that are important. Prayer is important. Bible study is important. Going to church is important. Giving is important. Serving is important. But this is what Jesus says. This is what I've, I've, I've chosen you for. This is what I've ordained you for, that you would bear fruit. I want you to understand, in, in serving or giving, all of that can be considered a type of fruit. But the first thing God wants is fruit in our lives. He doesn't want us busy. He wants us fruitful. Fruitful. And what does how what kind of tree produces good fruit? A good tree, a healthy tree. And so in our relationship with God, we've got to be healthy. 
We've got to be vitally connected so that this fruit, and by the way, how many of you have ever been in some sort of orchard or a place where there were a lot of fruit trees? Anybody here? Okay. If you haven't, I'm going to tell you something that you probably won't ever believe, but it's true. If you walk through an orchard, whether it's an apple orchard, an, an orange orchard, or an orchard of nut trees, and you stand there very quietly, what you can hear is nothing. Isn't that amazing? There is so much work going on in that orchard of a tree assimilating what it needs, receiving it. It doesn't go to the store to get it, right? It's just there planted. And it receives the sunlight. It receives the rain. It receives the nourishment from the ground. And it begins to produce in a healthy tree fruit. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of stuff. But guess what you don't hear in an orchard? There's no straining. Why? Because in a healthy tree that has all the provision it needs, fruit's a byproduct. Fruit happens. It's natural. And it should be the same thing in our lives. It shouldn't be something that we're like, oh, I'm trying to be fruitful. It's so hard. If you're healthy, if you're connected to God, if you're receiving what God has for you because God loads you daily with benefits, fruit just happens. Now, understand, you can't give in to what you used to do and have the God kind of fruit because you've got fleshy fruit, right? Things we used to do that God tells us we shouldn't do, right? And we're going to get into this in, in greater detail in the future. But this says that he, is, he has chosen you, he has ordained you to bear fruit, much fruit, and that your fruit should remain. This ought to give us an indication fruit's important. And that's why we're studying about this, we're learning about this. And a uh, little, little higher up in this chapter, Jesus writes in verse 8, or says in verse 8, it's recorded by John, my father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Who? How many of you want to glorify the father? This tells you how. When you bear much fruit, you glorify God. And you also prove that you're a true disciple of Jesus. How many of you know there are people out there saying, you know, I'm a Christian. And you wouldn't know it, wouldn't guess it. Hopefully that's not true about you. 
But when we bear fruit, and we, we know this is what the Bible says, you'll know them by their fruits. If I walk up to a tree and a round orange thing is hanging off it, what kind of tree do you think it is? You guys are sharp. <laughs> yeah, it's an orange tree. But you know what I have seen in Rome, New York? I've never seen them anywhere else. This is an amazing thing. We moved here and, and it was about Easter time and I saw an egg tree. No kidding. There were eggs hung all over this tree. I had never seen an egg tree before. I was very impressed. I was also very deceived. You know, you can hang all stuff, all sorts of stuff on you. You can have little Christian pins and bumper stickers and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was like the policeman that pulled over the car. Got out of the car, had his hand on his holster, walked up to the car and said, I'd like to see your license and registration. What did I do? Just let me see your license and registration. Got the information, looked at it, and said, okay, it is your car. The person said, what do you mean it is my car? He said, well, I saw the follow me to church bumper sticker, and Jesus is Lord, and you were screaming at and flipping off the guy next to you, and I thought you had stolen the car. Sometimes these things hit too close to home. Folks, we've got to be aware. <laughs> Jeremy's laughing. We, we were in Boston this past week. I did not. We were in Boston, and, you know, we, we were only a few miles away from the hotel to where we needed to go. And we figured, you know, Rome, New York, it's only eight miles. It's going to be eight minutes got into Boston traffic at 8 in the morning, and it took us much more than 8 minutes. And I'm not familiar, and I'm using the GPS, and, and I thought I was supposed to turn off, and I got in the wrong lane, and I had to get over, but the lane ended. And so I was kind of going down the side of the road, the shoulder. Isn't that what the shoulder's for? And I, I put on my blinker. I wasn't being ugly. I wasn't being bad. I was being patient. And I just wanted to get into the lane next to me. And this tractor trailer truck, the guy had obviously had a bad day up to that point, and I was not going to make it better. And he was, I tell you, intense. He was intense. He is bouncing his truck, and it's getting closer to us. And I rolled down my window. Now, Pastor Gabe and Jeremy are in the car with me. Do you think I'm that stupid that I'm going to do something bad in front of them? And I wasn't. It wasn't even on my radar. I swear to God. I was going to wave and just try and get in. There was no doing that. So I had to move up a few cars. We got in and we got to where we were going. But 
You know, sometimes we do things that if people looked at our lives in a snapshot, they'd say, that's not a Christian. But we don't realize how much we impact people in that moment that they look at us. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Are we helping people to come to Jesus or hindering people? Because we can hinder them. They can say, well, they say they're a Christian, and if that's the way a Christian acts, I want nothing to do with their God. But we've got to grow fruit. We're going to grow fruit, but we need to grow the right fruit. Amen? And fruit is important. That fruit glorifies his Father. That fruit in our lives proves we're disciples of Christ. We should never have to open up our mouth and tell anybody we're a Christian. They should see the fruit in our lives and say, you know what, that's a Christian. That's what Jesus taught. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Bible says. And that's how they live. So they must be a Christian. And in these days, we're moving rapidly towards the return of the Lord. We need to be part of the harvesting church where we're bringing souls into the kingdom, which means we need to be having fruit because people move towards fruit, good fruit, and it's going to draw them towards Christ. And again, fruit is very important. In Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3, Jeremy shared about the blessings of giving and, and all those things. But this talks about the blessed person, the blessed man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I, I want you to see that, that we can do these things, but it's not going to cause our life to be blessed. If, if we're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, if we're taking counsel that is contrary to God's, it is not going to bring blessing to our life, no matter how right everybody says it is, nor stands in the path of sinners. You're just hanging out. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus went to where sinners were. He ministered to them, but he hung out with the disciples and the Father. The Bible says evil company corrupts good morals. It doesn't matter how strong you think you are. If you're not spending more time with God's people and God than you are with godless people, you're going to be moving towards a godless point, destination. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And I'll tell you, that last part, sits in the seat of the scornful. Man, we've had so many people judging and scorning other people. It just seems to be a new pastime, and even for Christians. You know, we're giving out water at, at the Boilermaker. And you might say, well, <laughs> what kind of ministry is that? Jesus said, if you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. And we have opportunity to pray over people as they go by, pray for people if they'll let us, encourage them and help them, 
And you might say, well, what good is that? This is what God spoke to our hearts to do. We're just trying to be obedient to God. I'm not going to understand everything God asked me to do, but I'm going to be obedient. And, and when we have these opportunities, it's one of those things where we've got to see this is something that we're doing for Christ. We're doing it for him. He's considering it us blessing him when we bless anyone. Now, if that's true, how many of you know that's true? Whatever we do to anyone else, Jesus considers it done to him. And, and he confronted Saul, Paul, and said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And was Paul persecuting Jesus? Yeah, as people, the church. He was arresting and, and, and uh, harassing the people of God. And Jesus said, if you've done it to them, you've done it to me. So every time we do what we do to somebody else, when we, when we belittle or we condemn or we do all this stuff, Jesus is saying, why are you doing that? I want you to treat them the way you would treat me. Love them. Bless them. We're supposed to do that for our enemies. This is fruit, folks. Blessed is, is the man who doesn't do those things, but in verse 2, it turns it around. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. So a person is blessed when they make God a priority and his word a priority, because when we start to take in the nourishment of the word, the the milk of the word, the meat of the word, the water of the word, we begin to grow as vessels to be able to produce God fruit because it's coming from God's substance. Then it says, he shall be like a tree planted, planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Brings forth his fruit. Now, the message says it a little bit different. Verse 3, this is what it says. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. God has for us to bear fruit all the time. No matter what the economic environment is, no matter what the political environment is. You know, we seem to, to kind of go with the flow. When things are tough, we're crabby. When things are good, we're happy. That indicates that we're basing our faith, our trust, our reliance on whatever's up or down. And how many of you know God is not up and down? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So when the economy tanks, we can still rejoice. And, and that is fruit. When you're able to rejoice, when you're able to praise God, not for what's going on, but in what's going on, that's fruit where people are going to take notice and say, I think they've lost their mind. No, they're going to say that. But then they're going to realize you are more, more sound of mind than they are because your mind is stayed on God. 
on his promise and his provision. You have a peace that they so long for, and your peace doesn't come from your environment, your circumstances, your situation, your surroundings. Your peace comes from the Prince of Peace. And so all these other things can't steal it. Your joy and hope the same way. And that produces fruit in our lives. And people take notice and say, wow. And they, they may mock you. They may do all sorts of things against you. But I'm telling you this. When the bottom drops out for them, you're probably going to be the one they seek out. Jeremiah 17 says similar things about trees and, and fruit and how it happens. Because you and I are likened to trees. The Bible tells us that Israel was, was a type and shadow of Israel was the fig tree. And, and we are likened to trees, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And God has for us as trees to bear fruit, this fruit of God, this fruit of righteousness. Jeremiah says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the river bank, which roots that eat, reach deep into the water, such trees do not, are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Now, when we talk about this, we're talking about trees and rivers, but we can talk about this in the way of our lives. We're trees planted of God with God's provision always with us. And when the droughts come and the heat comes, and, and those are difficult times. They're times that, that test what we're made of, what we're really believing in, what we're really trusting in. Because you and I don't really know. We know what we think we would do, but until we get into difficult times, we don't really know what we do. And sometimes those difficult times re reveal to us we need to make some adjustments. Debbie and I, when we were moving up here, we were in a situation where God had blessed us financially in, in ways that we never imagined. And we, we were generous. We gave. We tithed. We did all sorts of things. We, we offered we help people in situations just because that's what God, we felt God blessed us to be a blessing. And then we, we, we felt God called us up here. All that we had amassed was used up in the first few years of being obedient to God. And during that time, you know, we, we, we said we trust God. God God is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. And it was easy when we had stuff. But when the stuff started to leave and we saw our bank accounts going down to nothing, I want you to know, 
If I had trusted in God the way I said and thought I trusted in God, my stress level wouldn't have gone up the way it did. But my stress level started to go up because I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. And what God was doing was helping me understand that what I said I trusted in, I wasn't trusting in it. It was just because it was easy and comfortable and I needed to be proved. I needed to come to that place of saying, all right, whether I have it or I don't have it, I've got enough because I've got God. He'll always take care of me. And he has. But there was a proving in that. And I grew through that. And sometimes God is going to take us through things that seem like, how can this, how can God allow this to happen? Because he's revealing some things that need to be taken out at a lower level in our lives to cause us to be absolutely rock solid, that our faith is in Christ, our dependence is in Christ, because it's so easy to shift dependence to other things. And it's so important to make sure we have a singular dependence and reliance, and that's God. These trees were planted, and then it says, no matter what it was like, it wasn't bothered by the heat, it wasn't bothered by long drought, that their leaves stayed green and they never stopped producing fruit. As a Christian, we're never to stop producing fruit. Because it's not so much taxing on us, it's a result of relationship with God and our reliance on him and allowing him to have his way instead of us doing what normally we do. But that's tough because we become so comfortable and familiar with certain ways of doing things. And uh, we need to realize there's an adjustment. There's an adjustment. There's an adjustment. There's an adjustment that needs to be made in the church. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the church. Coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle. That means all of us have change that's necessary in our lives. And we may be doing well, but we are not where we need to be. There's always another level. And it's not self-help, it's God. As you rely on God, he'll show you what he wants to work on. And as he works on that, the Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. He is a partner. He's there to do what you can't. You just have to rely on him. I have to rely on him and trust him. And allow him to begin to work in areas that maybe I didn't know I needed to be worked on. And sometimes it's going to be God taking us through some difficult times because in those difficulties, we will see we've relied on our ability or our escape mechanisms. And yet, we now have to rely on God and we grow through it. We grow through it. We get stronger through it. And we bear fruit through it. And again, just, just because it's so widespread throughout the Bible about this fruit. From the very beginning when God created the earth. 
when he created the heavens, when he created all the, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the, the fish of the sea. There was something that God initially said when he created man. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, it says this. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves. Now, very obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What does that leave out? Nothing. So he's addressing all living things. And God blessed them and said to them, what? First thing out of God's lips after he has created them, he blesses them. This you need to just file away. God didn't curse them. God didn't threaten them. God blessed them because that's what God does. God wants to bless everyone. Not everyone will be blessed because not everyone will do what God said. Sometimes we're our worst own enemies. The enemy doesn't have to be involved in our lives. We're doing a great job for him, unfortunately. But he blessed them and said, be fruitful. After he blessed them, he said, be fruitful. If it's the first directive he gives, this is something that God had intended to happen in every bit of creation that lives. Be fruitful. And just to make the point, when we drop down a little farther in verse 27 and 28 where he creates man, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God what? Do you see? God has been misportrayed. That he's out to get people. No, God is out to bless people. He's looking to bless everyone, but not everyone will receive the blessing. God wants you blessed because he wants you to experience a blessed life, but he doesn't want you to just contain it. God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing because it's more blessed to give than receive. And if we do that, we're continuing to bear fruit and we're continuing to sow. And as you sow, you'll reap. And if you are able to bless somebody this week because God blessed you with, with some finances and you take $10 of that and you bless somebody else and God sees that and God blesses you for being that blessing because it's more blessed to give than receive, and you get $100 and then you give 20, your ability to bless other people increases with your blessing. And if we want to bless all the people we come in contact with, we have to start blessing the person that's right in front of us. The person's who path we come across. You'll never do big things for God until you're willing to do the little things. Because the Bible says, unless we're faithful and little, we're never given more. Sometimes we don't understand, we get upset with God. We get jealous. Because somebody else received a blessing that we thought we should receive. And I want you to know, God is too good to overlook somebody who deserves a blessing. 
But sometimes God will not give us what we think we deserve because we're not mature enough to handle it. Hello? With more blessing, there are more options. If you don't have any money, you can't do something bad with the money. Staggering revelation. But if you have all sorts of resources and all sorts of freedom, you can get yourself in trouble pretty quickly, pretty deeply. And God doesn't want to put us in that place where we will fall. And so we go through challenging things that prove us, just like Israel was going through the desert, not for 40 years, but to show them they could and they should depend on God, no matter how good the promised land was ahead of them because it was going to be very easy for them to get their eyes off God and on the provision and think they could do it without God. And over and over they did that. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. And it goes on, multiply, subdue, have dominion. But the first thing, after he blessed them, he said, be fruitful. You've probably heard this before. But if it were a crime to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence that people could point at to, to convict you? Or are we closet Christians? Is there enough fruit? Is there enough evidence? Is there enough demonstration that people see Christ in us? Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. And the only way that fruit comes is we go through, we grow through whatever we face. And we become more dependent on God, more confident in God, more expectant of God than ever before. Because the world needs us. The world needs us to show them him. And the only way they're going to see him is in the fruit in our lives. And this leaves no one out. All of us. All of us. As God spoke to all living things, be fruitful. As God spoke to Adam and Eve, mankind, be fruitful. Be fruitful. I just want to quickly, no, I don't. Yeah, I do. I want to quickly go to to a parable that Jesus taught. And I want to read through it. And I'm going to ask you this week to read through this, to, to, to study it, to think about it. Now, I've read the Bible for years and years and years. And I knew that there was a parable about a fig tree. And I knew there was an experience that Jesus had with a fig tree. All right? And I can tell you that I've read this portion of Scripture and I never remember reading it. It was like I read it for the first time. And so Jesus is is teaching. There are all sorts of things going on and we're not going to go into the history of it today. 
But he says, he also spoke a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the keeper of the vineyard, look for, I've looked for three years. I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But, but he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year until I dig it around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. So Jesus tells this parable of a tree that this owner had for three years. He's been looking for fruit, which did he have a right to do that? Absolutely. And, and it didn't bear fruit. And after three years, it should have borne some sort of fruit, but it didn't. And he immediately says, let's cut it down. And, and the, the caretaker of the vineyard and of the tree says, hold on, let me do a couple of things. Let's give it another shot. I'm going to tell you, God is not out there to cut you down if you're not bearing fruit. Listen to me. But he will adjust things in your lives. And it's not going to necessarily be comfortable because it's necessary for us to come to that place of bearing fruit. And next week we're going to start out with this and then we're going to go to where the, the portions of Scripture that, that uh, I've been, been really wanting to get to. But I believe it's going to help us. And we're going to be able to look at things that we encounter in our lives. And we're going to be able to look at them instead of fearing them and being upset about them. We can face them knowing, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to grow, to bear more fruit. And in doing that, we glorify the Father and we prove that we're true disciples of Jesus. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Again, as Jeremy looked around today, he said, I don't see anybody that I'm not familiar with, and I am of the same opinion. So I believe every one of you has a relationship with the Lord. If you don't, please see me or Pastor Gay before you leave because we want to pray with you. But I will say this, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not time to coast. We're heading into, we've already headed into some very intense times, and there is even more intense times ahead. The Bible promises us that. And we don't have to fear, because whatever we head into, the one who is with us is greater than that. And so we need to head into everything, no matter what goes on in our, our country or in the world or our economy. We can be of good cheer because he's overcome. We can look at these challenges and difficulties and grow through them so the people around us that are being destroyed by them, not developed by them like we are, but being destroyed and damaged by these difficulties, will look and say, how do you do this? It's not a how, it's a who. And he can do it for you. See, that's really what witnessing is. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we're not telemarketers. 
We're not trying to force something on someone that they don't need. You have the answer for every need in their life, and that's Jesus. But they also don't want to have somebody push something on them. They don't see somebody that's pushing living. And so right now, Father, I pray for all of us, myself and every one of your children here. And Father, we would be partakers first. That we would truly be trees that are planted in the rich soil of you and your word. That are tended by you that receive your rain and the sunshine, the light and the truth that you have for us. And as we grow up in you, Father, that fruit begins to develop in our lives. No matter whether it's an easy time or a difficult time, the times don't matter. The circumstances don't matter. What matters is you and us looking to you and trusting in you because even as you've said in our distress in our difficulties in our troubles in our trials we can be developed where others are damaged because if the enemy's behind it he's there to steal kill and destroy but you lord came to give us life and life more abundant, so help us. Help us to live this abundant life no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what we hear, no matter what we see, no matter what we feel because we walk by faith in you. And we trust you, Father, that the good work that you've begun in us, you are faithful to complete, but it's a partnership, it's a cooperation. Help us do our part knowing that you're always faithful to do your part. That, Father, it would be very evident in our lives who we are living for and depending on. Let Christ be seen in us, who's the hope of glory. And we thank you, Father, for this. Father, I pray right now for... For those that are going through something that seems overwhelming and has been so long in duration, that, Father, they don't let go of their faith because it has great reward. If we haven't seen what you have said, you are not finished. And help us grow, not just go, but help us grow through these things. Father, we trust you. We know that your ways are higher than ours and better than ours. Your timing is perfect. So, Father, we don't want to just give in to what we're going through, but we want to stay strong in you, confident in you, hopeful in you, established and secure in you that you are having your way and you'll fulfill your will through all of this. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.
Amen. Would you stand?